Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you will. Uh, if it's okay with you, I, I got one more message in the tank here on uh, contrasting these two kings, David and King Saul. How many of you enjoyed these two messages so far that we jumped in? We started off the first week identifying that if I judge my life on the wrong criteria, I'll come to the wrong conclusions. We saw that if I, th- if, if, if I think God's picking me on, on uh, outward appearance, gift sets, talents, abilities, uh, you know, understanding God's selection process uh, is is important, but we also need to understand God's rejection process. Amen? And there are things God has rejected. There are things God is removing. There are things that God is eliminating so that we can get to the Davids in our life. But some of us are still exalting the Sauls. Some of us are still mourning over or crying over the rejection of the Sauls in our life, and we'll never see the Davids. And I just thought it was so amazing there in that passage in 1 Samuel 16 that uh, Samuel looks at Eliab, the first son of Jesse, and says, surely, with just the utmost confidence, right? This is the man. Why? Because it's it so greatly portrays the last one. And so we, if we don't understand God's selection process and God's rejection process, then we're not going to be picking what God picks. And we're not going to get rid of the things that God is eliminating. Amen. And so we saw that. And then we said uh, in in the the week after that, the week before Shelly came last week, so two weeks ago, we identified that that criteria that I think I got in on becomes the criteria then that I have to maintain. And we saw that King Saul throughout his reign was continually trying to maintain an appearance trying to continually maintain an outward look, even before the people. Don't let my reputation get messed up, and, and don't let them see uh, all the chinks in my armor and all the, all, all the messed up stuff I've done and, 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 and had a hard time coming to repentance, had a time uh, uh, recognizing the trust and the dependence that he should have on God, and then ultimately feared the people. It said that he became afraid of the people. And therefore was making the decisions that he was making in his life. And so uh, those two messages, if you missed them, you definitely need to go back and and listen and get a hold of them. Um, Just really talking about identity, talking about worth, talking about value. Where do you think your value comes from? Where do you think your identity, uh, where is your identity hidden? Our identity ought to be hidden in Christ. The song we just sang, you ought to be able to boldly declare that I am chosen. In the face of the devil, I am chosen, not forsaken. He hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't abandoned me. He hasn't neglected me. He hasn't left me out. He he hasn't uh, 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 gone on without me. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am a child of God. I belong in the house of God. We sang that during our, our, our Elevate team huddle. All of our Elevate teams, we get together and to spend some time in worship and encouragement before you even get here, getting the uh, inviting and bringing in the presence of God into this place. And that word belonging just came up. You belong. You belong. And I don't know who that's for today, but you need to know you belong. You're not out of place. 
You're not out of place in the kingdom of God. You're not the kingdom of God misfit. You're not the black sheep of the kingdom of God. You're not the redheaded stepchild or whatever analogy we can give. You are, you belong in the kingdom. You belong in the palace, at the table, eating the royal food, right there with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You belong there. Hallelujah. And so we need to rise to our identity and we need to arise to who we are in Christ. Well, I saw something else. This past week, I was saying, you know, do we stay in that vein or do we go on to something else? Sometimes the Sunday before, you kind of prepare the people's hearts for Easter and the resurrection weekend. And and I just felt this so strongly. And then this morning, I couldn't even get out of my office. I was just chewing on it so much, kept getting more stuff. Um, Hopefully, we don't go to 1 o'clock again two weeks in a row, but I can't make it. I cut the band off two songs. They had two more on there, and I cut them off, so... Uh, I at least gave you that. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I want to begin with verse 20. By this time, David's been anointed. And now we've moved the story on to the battlefield. We've gone from the pasture to the battlefield. And David has been sent on a, a simple mission to deliver meat and cheese to his brothers who are on this battlefield. And we know that they're fighting the Philistine army. And the Philistine army has a warrior, a giant named Goliath, a mighty warrior. And the proposition is, you send out your best fighter to fight me. And whoever wins will hand our army and nation over to you. So you bring your best, your best warrior, the best guy you got. One-on-one. If he defeats me, we'll become your slaves. If I defeat him, that's some confidence, isn't it? That's some confidence when you go out picking a fight like that. You ever seen someone that picked a fight with just the utmost confidence? That they, they, they just felt they had it all. I'll whip anybody. I'll whip anything. Bring it on. I've got this. You know, that's the kind of confidence we ought to be living with. I said, that's the kind of confidence we ought to be The enemy shouldn't have more confidence than us. Come on now. He can talk a good talk, but we are the ones that can walk the walk and fight the fight and win the battle every single time. But confidence plays a huge role in this. And confidence comes from identity. Your confidence will never exceed your level of identity. If you don't know who you are, then you're never going to win a battle. It doesn't matter how strong, it doesn't matter how great, it doesn't matter how mighty you are. You got to start with confidence. Confidence starts on the inside. And of course, the Israelite army, led by King Saul, as we've already discovered in the last couple of weeks, they're not operating with the greatest level of confidence. You ever notice that a nation usually follows its leadership? An organization usually follows its leadership. A people usually follow the one that is leading them. And so we have a bunch of scared soldiers because we have a scared king, a fearful king. But First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 20 says this, So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him, his dad, his father. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. They were going out to the fight. But they weren't going out to fight. There's a difference. They were showing up, but they weren't ready. It says they were going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. 
For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper and ran to the army. He came and greeted his brothers. And then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And if you go back, you'll find those words that Goliath was speaking. He was defying the armies of God. He was challenging them, mocking them, calling them out, just in great defiance and, again, in great confidence. Bring your best guy out, and I'll whip him. I'll destroy him. If he whips me, we'll become your slaves. If I whip him, you'll be ours. So David's now hearing this firsthand. It's not that he's hearing it from the soldiers. He's hearing it directly from Goliath himself. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. So King Saul is even trying to give incentives and maybe even bribes to get someone to go out there and and fight this guy. King Saul ought to be doing it himself. Last I checked, he was the one that was head and shoulders above everybody. He was the one that looked the part. He was the one that came from the powerful uh, family, right? We discovered all those things in the last couple weeks. David responds in verse 26. David spoke to the men who who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And look what he says here. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That word uncircumcised is important because it was the circumcision that identified the covenant of man between God and God with man. And this was an uncircumcised Philistine, which meant that this man's not even in covenant with God. He has nothing backing him. I I, I don't care what I see. What's behind what I see? That's what he's, that's what he's asking. He's saying, "I, I see a man, I see a giant, but where's he getting this confidence from? And Who's his support? And where's he doesn't have covenant like I have covenant. He's uncircumcised. I'm circumcised. I'm in covenant with God. And so I know I'm not just going out on that battlefield by myself. I'm going in the name of the Lord Almighty. I'm going on the behalf of my God, and my God will fight for me, and my God will strengthen me, strengthen me, and equip me to fight this great battle. That's what he's saying when he says uncircumcised Philistine. He says this, that he should defy the armies of the living God. Now, if you go back to verse 25, it said, The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. But David takes it a step further and says, He's not just defying me. He's defying my God. See, this is the kind of confidence you got to have. This is the kind of identity you got to have. You're not just coming up against me. You're bringing this up against my God. 
You're bringing this up against the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, the one that I serve, the one that, it, that I am chosen, not forsaken. I'm, I am circumcised. I'm in covenant. I'm in right standing. And you're not just challenging me. If, if, if I'm going out, he's coming with me. There's a difference. Are they defying you? Are you taking it personal? Or are you saying, man, you ain't challenging me. I'm just the messenger. You're actually going after God. That's the Look at this position that David has. Verse 27, and the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. The title of my message today is Picking a Fight. Picking a Fight. What's interesting to me, and of course, you know, in this story of David, we know David's just a mere shepherd boy, right? We already know going back that, you know, he's kind of the run of the house. The prophet shows up to anoint the next king of Israel, and they don't even bother bringing him into the home. He's out in the pasture with the sheep. Samuel goes down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nope, not the ones. You must have another son. Oh, yeah, we got another one, the youngest. He's out in the field. It's a shepherd boy. Knows nothing about battle. Has no expertise in war. Has no uh, uh, knowledge or experience in the art of warfare. And he shows up on a battlefield with hundreds of thousands of soldiers that do. That are trained in warfare. That are trained to fight and have fought before and have had victories before. Experience and expertise and, and the talent and the skill set and the gift set. But David shows up in a place where some might say he doesn't belong. And we'll see that in just a moment. That's why I'm telling you belonging is important. In a place that he doesn't belong. And he's showing interest in fighting Goliath. David, a shepherd boy. Showing interest in fighting Goliath. But this is what David knew. David knew that this fight wasn't about talent, skill, or ability. He knew that this battle had nothing to do with talent, skill, or ability. It had to do with the fact that he was anointed and appointed. He was called. He was chosen. And not only that, he knew who chose him. Who called him? Who appointed him? And this is the thing I want you to see right here is David is the only one that doesn't belong, but yet is the only one that does belong. Talented people, gifted people, People with expertise and people with experience and people with abilities will always be at the mercy of people with anointing. You'll always live at the mercy of those who know that they're called. If you want to rest back on your laurels, you want to rest back on what you've accomplished, you want to rest back on your expertise, you want to rest back on your experience, you want to rest back on my training, you want to rest on, on, on uh, all, all that I've accomplished and done, fine. But when the battle gets so big that it's beyond your expertise and beyond your experience and beyond your ability, what are you going to rest on then? 
David wasn't resting on expertise, experience, ability, talent, gifts, skills. He's simply resting on his covenant with God and the fact that he's been anointed, been anointed of God. And people with talent and ability will always live at the mercy of those with anointing every time. One anointed person is greater than an army of talented. One anointed person is greater than an army of talented, gifted, skilled people. That's what anointing will do for you. Anointing will cause you to pick a fight when you shouldn't pick a fight. David's picking a fight. I mean, Goliath already picked a fight with Israel, but David, he's selecting this fight. He doesn't have to be there. He could easily just drop off his food delivery, head on back to the house with his sheep out in the pasture, just do his assignment, do his job, do his role, fulfill what, was, what he was called to do by his father, Jesse, drop the food off and go. And instead... He has interest in challenging this champion. Here's what I know about giants. And this is what 2020 has revealed for me. And I hope it's revealed it to you. That giants separate the crowd. Giants separate the crowd. A giant, when a giant shows up, there will be those that will cower and flee. And there will be those that will rise up and run too. It said that the army of Israel, they fled, went ran, running in the opposite direction from the giant. And later we find David running toward the champion. See, giants, when they rise, when they challenge you, when they come up, it, it identifies where you're at. Are you going to cower and run? We talked a good talk. We had the experience. We had the laurels. We got the accolades. Or are we going to rise up in the anointing, get confidence from the inside, not from the outside, not the outward appearance, but the inward appearance, the inward posture of the heart. The giants will, they, they will put the line in the sand. They'll part the sea. And we're not going to tuck and run. No, we're going to run to, run toward the challenge. Pick a fight. Pick a fight where we shouldn't. Yeah, anointed people. They do crazy things. Anointed people, when you know your value, when you know your worth, you do some stupid stuff. You do some crazy things. You take on some crazy, crazy enemies, 
crazy champions. And the louder they get, the louder they get, the more it stirs you up on the inside, the more boldness rises up on the inside, the more tenacity rises up on the inside, the more stick to it in this rises up on the inside, the more you plant your feet in the ground. I say, I dare you to try to move me. I dare you to come against me. I dare you to talk about me. I dare you to say another word. I dare you to take one more step in this direction. There's an absolute boldness that has got to rise up in these last days. And we're living in the days where the giants are rising and so are God's people. So is the anointing. So are the called ones, the assigned ones, the equipped ones. Now, I want to remind you, Saul was anointed. This isn't about who's got it and who doesn't. This is about who gets it and who hasn't. Just because you got it doesn't mean you get it. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1, you can just write it down. Samuel reminds Saul, now I came and I anointed you by the Lord's instruction. You are the anointed king over Israel. It wasn't that Saul wasn't anointed and that he couldn't operate the way David operated. He had every right to be on that battlefield just as much as David did. Saul had every right to challenge Goliath just as much as David did. Saul had every right to be the one that goes out and says, I dare you to say another word about my God. I dare you to say another word about my people. I da- Come one step closer, I'll cut your head off and I'll feed you to the birds of the air. That's what David said. Boldly said that. Saul had every right to do the same thing, but he did it. Because he rested in his ability, not his anointing. Where you get your confidence, where you draw your potential, is where you have to keep running to keep it. He didn't rest on the anointing, he rested on his appearance. And so when something showed up that was bigger than him, remember he was head and shoulders above everybody. But now he's got someone that's head and shoulders above him. And in his mind, whoever is head and shoulders above wins. In his mind, appearance wins, strength wins, ability wins. But not for anointed people. Anointed people, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. See, David knew, I wasn't picked because I looked like I've played the part. I wasn't picked because of my looks and my stature and my strength and my ability and my talents and my gifts and my skills. I wasn't picked on those things, so I'm not going to rely on those things. I'm going to come to you with what God gave me. I'm anointed. And I'm going to take you out. It's not that King Saul couldn't do it. It's that he wouldn't do it. But anointed people, they know where their value comes from. Anointed people will pick fights that talented people pass up. Anointed people pick fights that talented people pass up. He's not choosing this fight to become something. He's choosing this fight because of something. He's not choosing this fight to become the anointed. He's choosing this fight because he's anointed. I have been anointed. He's not trying to prove to anybody anything. He's not trying to impress anybody. He's not trying to win anybody over. He's not, I'll I'll show my brothers. I'll show the king. I am the anointed one. I don't care if they they deny it. I don't care if they don't see it. This will show them. No, he knew. I'm anointed. 
You can think what you want to think. You can say what you want to say. I'm anointed. I belong on this battlefield, and I will be the one to slay that giant. Not, because, not, not to become something, but because he already was something. And I'm telling you, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the because. We're going to celebrate that you become because you are. You become because of what he did. Next week is the because. Because he died and rose again, you can be raised to new life with Christ. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, you can slay any giant in your life. Because he called you, you can rise up. Fear doesn't have to have you. Anxiety doesn't have to grip you. Worry doesn't have to strangle you. You're anointed. You're called. You're chosen. Well, as we saw last week, before David got to the main battle, he had to fight some other battles. Before he got to Goliath, he had to fight some other struggle. And in the very next verse, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28, it says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. See, insecure people will always pick the wrong fights. Eliab's anger was aroused against David. Imagine if Eliab had had his anger aroused against Goliath as much as he did against his brother. (laughs) Yeah. Why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? So he's challenging, you don't belong here. This isn't the place for shepherd boys. This isn't the place for sheep carers. This isn't the place for Uber Eats drivers, meat and cheese deliverers. This is a battlefield, kid. What are you doing out here? I know your pride. And the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You've come down as a spectator. You've come down to watch. You've come down to sit by and watch us all in defeat. You know, for, for most people, that type of challenging, even cutting to the heart, questioning my character. I know your pride. I know the insolence of your heart. For most people, that would be a fight they would engage in right there. They'd take that one on. You're not going to question my character. You're not going to challenge me like that. But see, anointed people know that if I'm going to pick that fight, I'm going to have to pass up this one. And the fights that anointed people pass up are just as important as the fights that they pick. It says in the very next verse, David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? And look at verse 30. Then he turned from him toward another. He said, this fight isn't worth it. This fight, see, insecure people, people with no confidence, people who don't know who they are in Christ, They're so busy fighting the wrong battles that they never even get to the real battle. They're picking wrong 
they're picking the wrong fight. And if you're going to pick the right fight, you're going to have to pass up the wrong fight. You're going to have to let go of the wrong fight. The battles that David chooses not to fight in this passage are just as important as the battles David chooses to fight. And he passes up the battle that it looks like he should be fighting. And he picks the battle that it looks like I should not be trying to fight. But that's what anointed people do. Because anointed people do crazy things. And, and, and jealous people, insecure people do stupid things. You with me? So what is the battle in your life that you've picked? That you should have passed up? And what is the battle that you passed up that you should have picked? Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. Yeah, those are battles you ought to pass up. Because there's a giant out there that has your name on it. That needs an anointed person to rise up to slay it because there's too many scared and, 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 and insecure Christians out there that won't challenge them. I didn't say they couldn't. I said they won't. We need people in these last days that are going to pick the fight no one else will. But you also have to be the person that will pass up the fight that everyone else is fighting. You've got to be the only one not fighting that one, and you'll be the only one that's fighting this one. And you'll stand all by yourself in these last days. But that's the way God wants it. Because God wants to prove, I don't need 120,000, Gideon. I just need 300 that are confident, that know who they are, know who's called them, know whose battlefield they're really on, knows whose battle this really belongs to, knows who they really are fighting for. That's who I need. That's who I need, Gideon. I don't need 120. It's not numbers. It's not quantity that impresses me. It's the quality of the man that I'm putting on the battlefield. And I just need one. And I'll take the whole army out. But if you don't know your identity, you don't know who called you, you don't know what is yours, you don't know what belongs to you, you don't know what your resources are, your benefits are, your privileges are in the kingdom of God, you don't know that you're chosen and not forsaken, you think that I'm still striving trying to become something, he already made you, and now because of who I am, I can do this. You will never step foot on the battlefield, you will stay a shepherd boy. Stay there. You'll stay in the pasture. So we have to recognize that today's battle may cost us tomorrow's victory. Today's battle may cost us tomorrow's victory. No, there's some things I'm not going to engage in today because there's a bigger fight out there. Some things I'm going to let go today because there's another giant and I'll never make it to the giant if I keep fighting my own issues, my own challenges, my own struggles. No, I'm going to pass that up. I'm going to let that go because there's a bigger battle ahead. In contrast, King Saul did the exact opposite. I've got two instances here. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1.
1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people. Again, he is anointed. He is anointed. It's not the fact that you are anointed. It's the fact that you recognize the anointing and the calling on your life and you walk in it. He's anointed you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. Kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. This is the word of the Lord to King Saul. But we jump down to verse 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. In this passage, we see that King Saul passed up a fight that he should have picked. In this moment, he sidesteps the word of the Lord, and he decides not to follow thoroughly and completely the word of God that came to him to utterly destroy the Amalekites. We learn later on down in verse 24, we get some insight. Saul, why'd you do that? Uh, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Here it is, because I feared the people. Saul's enemy was not the Amalekites, it was himself. His own, poor, his own poor identity, his own lack of identifying, I'm the anointed one. I'm the called one. I'm the chosen one. And I can take on this battle. I can win this war. I can pick this fight. But instead, he passed up the fight. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when Goliath comes out, it says in verse 8, he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. If I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When verse 11 says, When Saul... When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. And for the second time, we see that Paul was greatly afraid. It's the second account that we see that Saul passes up a battle due to fear and insecurity, lack of confidence, lack of identity, not knowing who he is. And instead of picking the fight, he's passing the fight. Because this is what insecure people do. When they don't know your worth, when you don't know your value, you pass up the battles that you should be fighting. Lastly, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 18. 
in verse 6. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. And the women began to sing and dance and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. What do you think that's going to do for an insecure person, a fearful person? He's already struggling with his identity, and now this shepherd boy is getting praise for killing more than I have. He killed one giant. Who won all these battles for you? Who won all these other victories? Who got all these other, uh, 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 all these other fights and, and, and battles won? And so immediately, what does that do to him? Saul became very angry. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? And it says in verse 9, So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Insecure people get their eyes off of the real goal, and they start eyeing the wrong goals. So not only has he passed up battles that he should have been fighting, Now he's going to pick a fight that he shouldn't be fighting. It says in verse 10, it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house and David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. And look at verse 12. For the third time we see, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Fear, insecurity, worry, they will cause you to take on battles you were never meant to fight. In fact, you will fight people that are actually for you, not against you. How many times did I see that last year? People fighting the very people that are for you. Division across so many different lines, we forgot where the line was. Ridiculousness. And it was only those that are secure in their identity, secure in who they are in Christ, remain steadfast in, I'm called, I'm chosen. It doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter what you say about my race, about my color, about my nationality, about my ethnicity, about where I came from. I know who I am. I belong to the King of Kings. I belong to the Lord of Lords. And you don't determine my worth. You don't determine my value. And you're not my enemy. You're actually my brother. And I'm not going to turn this into a fight because there's bigger battles to fight. It's not me against you. It's you and me against the enemy. This is what the enemy tries to do is he tries to divide everything that God brings together and he tries to bring together everything that God is dividing. And homes being torn apart. Husbands and wives not recognizing you're on the same team. 
You're not fighting one another. You're both together fighting the enemy. And the giant is standing in the valley challenging you, and you're so busy warring against each other that you don't have any energy to go after the real battle. You're getting your anger aroused against Eliab and against King Saul, but you don't have anything left for Goliath. We're picking the wrong fights and we're passing up the wrong ones. And I'm so thankful, so thankful that Jesus passed up the battles he shouldn't fight so he could ultimately pick the fight of all time. Next week, we will celebrate a man that passed up battles with disciples, passed up battles with Pharisees and Sadducees, passed up battles in wildernesses and gardens so he could ultimately get to the real fight. He said, I've already got a fight picked out, and I'm not going to let this fight distract me, discourage me, Move me off from the ultimate goal. See, some of us don't even know what the ultimate goal is. You don't even know who you should be fighting, so we're just warring against everybody. When you don't know who your enemy is, how can you properly attack? How can you properly strategize? How can you properly go against them? You don't even know what you're fighting. You don't even know why you're fighting. David even responded to Eliab and said, is there not a cause? Meaning, I know the purpose out here. You apparently have lost your purpose. You apparently are on the battlefield and you went to the fight, but you didn't go to fight. I came here to fight because I know the purpose. I know my why. I know why I'm here. I know who my enemy is. I know who my, my foe is. I know who's coming against me. And I know the ones that are for me and not against me. See, we start blaming God for stuff. Why would you do this, God? And why would you? You don't even know he's not your enemy. He's for you, not against you. You're the head and not the tail. That's insecurity. No, we need anointing. We need anointing in these last days. We need the people of God to be anointed and equipped and then to realize this is who I am and nothing can challenge that, nothing can question that, nothing can deter that, and I will not waste my energy on battles that I do not need to be fighting. Worship team, if you'd come back up. I hope you're getting this today because there are battles you're waged in right now that you know this is just zapping my energy. It's draining my strength. And you know right now who I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, where I'm talking about. And it's time for you to pass that battle It's time for you to pass that fight up and pick the fight that you were ultimately destined for. In John 10, verse 18, Jesus says, no one takes it from me. Speaking of his life, he says, but I lay it down of myself. He says, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. He says that there are battles that I will pass up 
because there is a battle I have picked out. I've picked out a fight. I've picked out a battle. And because he knew who he was, because he knew that he was the beloved son in whom his father was well pleased, because he knew I'm a lamb slain before the foundations of the world, because he knew I am the son of God, because he knew, and Jesus did not come to this earth to show us what he could do. Jesus came to this earth to show us what we could do. That's what an anointed son of God looks like. He stood up there and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to overturn the works of the devil. It says that in 1 John chapter 3, 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy not to pick a fight with every person that doubted him, not to pick a fight with the people that accused him, not to pick a fight with the people that challenged him, questioned him, mocked him, beat him, and crucified him. Even as the nails were going in his hands, what was he saying? Father, forgive them. Even as the nails were going in his hands, he said, I'm going to pass that fight up. He said, don't you know I could call down a legion of angels and wipe every single one of you out right now in one day? I'm going to pass that fight up. And who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He said, I'm not going to let that fight take my energy because when I get down in the bowels of hell and I get face to face with the devil, I'm going to whip him. I'm going to strip him. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to make a mockery of him. The Bible tells us that when we finally see the devil, we finally see that adversary, we're going to look and say, that's the one that deceived the nations. Jesus has already made such a mockery of him. He's taken back the keys to the kingdom of God. He's put them in your hands for you to now access everything that God has for you to access, for you to obtain everything that God has for you to obtain, for you to become everything he's called you to be. Stop fighting battles. You should be passing. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.